0: everyone, Edna Kimball, Edna Sells, Century 21, Wright Real Estate, and welcome to today's episode of How to Real Estate. And today's topic is going to be negotiations. I did a really brief um, reel last week about negotiations, and I had so much feedback that I realized, hey, this is a topic that people are curious about. So um, thanks again for joining us today and we're just gonna jump right in. The number one thing that I would encourage each of you to do if you're wanting to get better with your negotiation skills is to read the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Now I don't make any money, this is not a promotion, I'm not making money on the side by selling that, but seriously, it's entertaining, and educational, like mind-blowing really, to be honest with you. I've been very fortunate to see him speak twice in public and each time he brings major value. He also, there's a lot of great YouTube videos that he puts out. But Never Split the Difference really breaks down the psychology behind negotiations. Um, One of the things that I found very, very curious is um, I am a win-win negotiator. I like for all parties to leave the table feeling like they um, won, so to speak, and what Chris uh, Voss, the book Never Split the Difference, taught me is that to be realistic, what you've got to do is to make sure that you don't offer to split the difference from the get-go. That's actually a major mistake. Okay, so we're going to talk about the top six things that you need to keep in mind when you're negotiating. So the number one is negotiating is continual. And what I mean by that is that from the moment you determine that you're going to buy or sell, everything that you do is some sort of a negotiation. From who are you hiring? What are you paying? How long is the term of the listing? Um, How long is the term of the agreement with the buyer's realtor? It literally, everything is negotiations and you need to be clear on what your actual outcome is and be flexible. The people who are inflexible typically tend to not be happy at the end of the day. Number two, think positive and stay positive. What do I mean by that? so I've been selling real estate for around the 20 year mark and we average about 200 to 300 homes a year Um, and so I do a lot of negotiations and one of the trigger points that I see is right from the get-go when a client or their realtor decides to come in with a non-negotiable or not a positive response for example they send over a supplement that says um, seller to reduce by five thousand dollars or buyer walking away now it's all in the verbiage i could say the exact same thing but in a more positive way sometimes when you put somebody in a corner and make them feel like they have no options they don't actually do what you want them to do they come out fighting and so that is a huge mistake So stay positive um, and make sure that the words that you choose to put on paper do not necessarily put the client or um, the opposing team, if you will, in a corner because if you do that, you may not like the outcome. Uh, Number three, prepare. Information is crucial. You cannot have enough information. If you are, um, for example, I'm talking to realtors right now, if you are negotiating for your client and you don't really truly know what the client's final outcome is, you could be making a huge mistake. So another example would be recently we had a realtor send us a a contract um, and we were negotiating and they were negotiating the price and the closing date unbeknownst to them their client was actually more worried about the closing date than the price but she came in really really heavily on the price so she got the price that she thought they wanted but she didn't get the closing date so having the knowledge of the person that you're negotiating for and knowing what their true outcome is is everything so That leads to the next tip, which is basically asking questions. You cannot have enough information or ask enough questions. Um, A good example there would be, uh, we have a team member that recently called me and said, hey, we've shown this property, the buyers uh, have it on their list of homes, they have not ruled it out. Uh, but they did ask me to reach out and check and see, is there any important information from the seller, such as a closing date, um, or some item that they want to leave with the home that they don't wanna bother hauling off or that could kill the deal. I thought that was extremely clever because in this scenario, the seller was very worried about the closing date. They needed to stay in the home for total of 90 days they didn't mind that it closed if they could stay they didn't even mind waiting 90 days to close but the closing date was pivotal they had obviously shared that information with me I shared it with the other realtor and they wrote up a very solid um, offer that I presented to the seller and the seller was very happy with now if that buyer had come in with a strong offer but a short closing date then they may not have won that. So be smart about it, gather all of the information, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Remember, the other side can always choose to not share that information with you. Now, if you are a realtor and you're asked questions, you do need to make sure you have permission to share the information, obviously. Now, um, I think it's also important to be really clear on what the best case to worst case scenario is. What I mean by that is we recently had a client who was adamant verbally telling me that she would not take less than 500,000 for her property. And after um, going back and forth and getting her on the phone, texting is great, but sometimes I need to have a conversation with you. uh, She did disclose that the timeline was very, very important and that she would give on the money if she could get the timeline that she wanted. Had I not followed up with her and asked additional questions to make sure I understood what her worst case scenario was, she would have been in a pickle with taxes because she had to close out by a certain date due to a 1031 exchange. So knowing what the best case to worst case scenario is and restating that to the person that you're representing. So for example, if I can get you the 500,000, but we're not closing until January the 15th, that is where the buyer is at now. Is that something that would work for you? And she said, absolutely, that would not work for her. Um, And so we were able to go back and renegotiate. So knowing what the best case is, and worst case scenario. Because once I realized that her tax deficit or her tax bill, so to speak, would be more than the few thousand that we were negotiating, it did make sense for her to give on the money. So be sure, it's it all kind of falls in line, but restating to the client what the best case, worst case scenario is will sometimes help them understand where they're, where they're gonna end up and allow them to be more open and honest with you. And then number six, guys, it's negotiations. It's not called get what you want. And I think that a lot of times people who are negotiating take the hardball rule. Again, if you are not ready to give and take, then you're not actually negotiating. You've drawn a line in the sand and you're not crossing it. That is not a great way to approach a negotiation because, again, it's not negotiating. It's basically saying, I'm done. So be sure that you don't draw the line in the sand unless you really, truly mean it. Here's an example. We had a client recently who sent an offer over and gave a deadline of 5 p.m. the following day and they actually doubled down on it and said, if no response, contract purchase offer is rescinded and I'm moving on. Well, um, they did not prepare and ask all the questions. This particular client was on a cruise and was not able to readily access the purchase offer and did not like being backed into a corner. So what did they do? They let it expire. Two days later, the buyer came back with their tail between their legs and resubmitted an offer. And then at that point, the seller felt like they had a little bit of leverage. So in the beginning, if that buyer would have asked or if their realtor would have asked a few more questions and found out that the timeline for negotiations were needed to be more flexible, that could have helped them. In the end, it worked out great for my client, but maybe not so great for the other client. So give and take if you have something that you really want and need to sell or something that you really want and need to purchase, then there is going to be some give and take. And keep in mind, sometimes it doesn't have to be um, the price. I think everyone always thinks that the price is gonna be what makes it or breaks it, but try to think out of the box and realize that it could be allowing the seller to use the shop for an additional 10 days after closing. It could be allowing the buyer to feel like they had a big win by you leaving the washer and dryer that you had already told me you didn't want anyway so giving and taking is part of negotiation if you're not willing to give and take then you're actually not negotiating you have a hard number that you want and you're going to sit on it no matter what I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just want to clarify that that's not negotiating, um, and you need to be very, very clear on that. So those are kind of my top when it comes to negotiations and again I want to have you lean into reading the book by Chris Voss, V-O-S-S, Never Split the Difference. Um, It used to be my favorite thing to do if we were kind of at a standstill I would suggest to my client hey why don't we ask them to split the difference. Well it's not such a great idea to do that um, right from the get-go. It can be a great tool but read the book and you'll see what I'm talking about okay everyone thanks for joining me for today's episode and if you have any questions or any comments feel free to reach out thanks so much